themselves and 360 the world. Jamie Neal, the host, asked many questions about their mindset and how they fundamentally operate their world and the world around them. Here at 360 Yourself, we are very proud and honoured to be partnered with General Assembly. We embrace this with open arms to a new adventure. General Assembly is a global tech education company focused on the most in-demand areas today. So that's anything from UX, digital marketing, coding, data science, data analytics, to travel writing and ethics. Our slash their main goal is to get you where you want to be. You can find out more about them at ga.co online or across all socials at ga underscore London. We also encourage you to please rate and comment about us on Apple Podcasts. If you do enjoy what we bring to your ears, we'd love to hear about it. Hey, Natalie, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm very, very well, thank you. So the first thing I always ask everyone, because... (laughs) Even within my friends group, um, everyone is always everywhere. Like I'll message a friend and they'll be like, yeah, I'm working from uh, Malaga at the moment. Um, so I can't talk to you at this moment in time or I can't see you. Um, so my, my question for you is, where are you at this moment in time? Where are you chatting with me from? I, I very boringly, I'm in grey, cloudy London right now. If you'd have asked ah. me a few weeks ago, it would have been more exciting. But unfortunately... I'm in West London. Where was you a couple weeks ago? I was in the south of France for three weeks. Oh, lovely. A bit of of time off. So I wish we had this interview then. It would have sounded more exciting. I know, I know. I've I've done a couple of these podcasts while I'm away. And then they go, and then I'm talking to the guests and just like, where are you? And I'm like, blah. And I've got like tropical background or like greenery (laughs) and stuff. And I feel feel so great. Feels so lovely, but I'm I literally I'm operating at my best when I'm traveling. Like I can't tell you how much travel is so good for people, and people need to do more traveling. I mean, of course, it's quite tricky now uh, with COVID, but when it when it becomes easier, um, people need to travel a bit bit more. I mean, because obviously now we're, we're working remotely. Why can't you do your work somewhere else? Like. If if you if you're if you're doing if you're literally on your computer, why can't you do it with a really great scenery? Why does it have to I be in your bedroom? Agree. I couldn't agree more. I did work fully four weeks last summer in the south of France, and it was honestly my best month of work ever. I've never it, been so productive. Also, because also you're in you're in a great headspace, 
once yeah. you finish your work you put it down you then go and do some other activities which obviously is great and stimulating for your brain because you're in a different environment different space so you're obviously going to that's also going to give back into your work life but uh, this whole thing like I remember someone said to me I was like can we go to uh, Soho Farmhouse I think it was and they were like uh, I don't think I can because my colleagues will know I'm at Farmhouse and I was like what as long as you're doing the work there's no app you've got a fireplace behind you as long as you're doing the work for the day it doesn't really matter where you are but they they couldn't come because their colleagues would think a bit a bit strange or whatever and I was like uh, I think there's a very old metric of working very traditional thing you have to be in an office or you have to be at your desk to work I don't know anyway um enough about that um thank you again so much for coming on the podcast um I'd like to jump into asking you um, how did it all start? Because we were talk- we were chatting before the podcast started about um, your amazing trajectory and your ambition and where you are at the moment and also your title, which I slightly don't understand. I, I, I get what it is, but I don't get exactly your day-to-day routine. So I think going right back to how you got into the industry, what's your upbringing of your family? Um, so yeah, that'd be great to know. Yeah, of course. So very, very lucky to say that I was brought up by two very switched on parents is the biggest blessing that I could ever ask for. My mom, she was from very working class background. My granddad was a docker, but he was like, my four daughters are going to university. They are going to university. That's what they're doing. My mom was first class honours degree, only woman on her course course prize and then was having an amazing trajectory but then when she had myself and my brother she she asked if she could go part-time the company at the time said no sorry this is a full-time job you either take her or you have to go and she quit at that point because she had no option um my dad um a self a self-proclaimed feminist as he says he's more into kind of the MA world, so very different from me, but from, from a very young age, was like, you're gonna go to the whatever you do, you're gonna do the best. You're gonna be the best company for that. Whatever you wanna follow, you're gonna be the best at it, which I was very, very lucky. So I actually had no intention of going into tech at all. If you'd have asked me this, like even five years ago, I would not have told you I was gonna work in tech. I wanted to be a fashion designer. Did you? I did. So I honestly had the most bizarre way of finding out that I did not want to be a fashion designer. So I was, I just finished my GCSEs. I was like doing textiles. I was like going into school early to finish my portfolio. I I had a sewing machine at home. Absolutely loved it. And then again, my dad said, he did not want me to be a fashion designer, but he was like, if you're going to be a fashion designer, you're going to be the best fashion designer so I did they had short courses at Central St Martin so in the summer I went for a week did this fashion design course and very early on I was like I am not that creative I think it was, it was one day we were we were making a collage or something the first thing they said was um draw a, a shape but it doesn't have to be wearable which that blew my mind and then <laughs> we were making a collage I had no scissors so I just had to like rip the paper and like the the course 
trainer, whatever you call them, was like, oh, I love what you're doing here. Is this like the deterioration of things? The way Yeah, you, like, yeah, yeah. I, I knew it. that you were going to go that direction, yeah. And I was like, I just had no scissors. That was the only reason. And I, I left there and I was like, incredible experience. And like, hats off to the creativity in there. But I was like, I'm probably a bit too much of a realist. So I was like, I know I'm creative, but I'm not that creative, but how else can I use my creativity? Mm-hmm. So I then went on to the University of Bath, Bath for those who are not Northern like me, um, doing a business management degree. And I was kind of at that point, like marketing seems creative. Let me explore that. And I, I had like quite a good course in the sense of, I did a six month placement in my second year and six months in third year. So I had the chance to kind of choose two different things if I wanted to. So started out marketing for Ferrero for TikTok, which was very bizarre that I was literally marketing mints at that point. Mints is in like the... the, 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 the how do you... I mean, of course it probably sells itself, doesn't it? I mean, there's not much... Surprisingly, no. Really? I mean, would you pick up Tic Tacs over like chewing gum? Yeah. Really? Well, I don't, I don't really like chewing gum anyway because it's like that whole fat, okay. that thing. But Tic Tacs, yeah, like because that I don't like, I don't, I don't really eat gum and sweets and I don't really eat cake. So, I mean, I, now, now I'm, I'm releasing <laughs> parts of my life, but yeah, I don't really eat any of that sort of thing. But if I if I did have to decide between Tic Tacs and gum, it probably would be Tic Tacs. And but isn't that that famous campaign where they shake the Tic Tac thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like I mean, genius. Yeah, you should go and work there. I should, I should. I should. If Tic Tacs global um, marketing, uh, what's it called, recruitment is listening. If you need a global creative director, I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. Get it here first, Ferrero. Listen out to this to this podcast. Yeah, so so you you were doing the tic tac the tic tac thing, and then how did that move into? Did you because obviously I've, I've I've done a bit of research on you that you you have jumped into um the kind of fashion luxury space. Yeah. So how from tic tac to that? Yeah. So so I was a tic tac tic tac, and then from there, but it, probably the first kind of signs of like the Facebook thing coming in there, I was. I think because I was the young intern, they were like, you're going to lead all the Facebook activity. There was not even, Instagram wasn't really even on the radar then. Yeah, when, when was Instagram launched? I don't, I don't, I don't even know what year it was. Around, it's been around for a while, but at that time it was kind of like, it wasn't like a given for brands to be on there. We were not, like we weren't talking about Instagram at work at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. So then I kind of like led on that and I was like oh this is interesting like I've always been I've always been that person who was like the first on any platform I'm always like ahead on social media but I didn't think you could like have a job in that yeah so then go back to uni and then I always kind of had my mind on going to L'Oreal I was like perfect makeup brilliant like the dream job so I go to the interview and essentially on the day, they're like, you've applied for this digital marketing role. Unfortunately, we don't have the headcount to be doing like digital marketing within a brand, but we basically have this brand new role 
where within the HR team, we're looking for someone to lead employer branding, but for like, be like the digital expert. They're like, we've never had someone in this role. It's a completely new role. We don't really know where we're gonna go with this, but this is what you're interviewing for. And on the interview, it was actually probably the, the most random interview I've ever had. Um, and the woman who then became my manager, she just went off piste in the afternoon. Cause like with L'Oreal and like those big corporates, you have like a very set assessment center day. And she pulled me and the other candidates in the room. And she was like, right, I want you to go to Hammersmith Broadway and like basically build content, advertise for it. So she was like, and then just come back with like your ideas of how you make it interesting. I did, I just kind of on the spot was like, right, well, I'm going to make an Instagram account for this place and just like make loads of content. And I'm literally running around Hammersmith Broadway. If you've ever been there, it is like, and not it is a subpar shopping center in Hammersmith. What so so so, so what so you created an Instagram for L'Oreal or for a yeah, for, for Hammersmith Broadway for this like shopping center in Hammersmith? She was like, I want you to just go and like create content for that place. Oh, so for I'm that place, like, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. As I, I was like, like the devil wears Prada, running around in heels, like interview, like like the donut man. I'm like, can I get a boomerang of you? And I just created this Instagram. And like, I thought I was so slick at the time because the other candidates were like, they got their laptops out and they were like, oh, like I've, I've done this. And I just passed this woman my phone and was like, this is what I've done. And at the time, I think someone texted me and was like, how's the interview going? And she was like, oh, someone wants to know how your interview is going. But then I just gave her this Instagram account and then got the job because of it. Well, because you created an Instagram account, what was everyone else? I'm, I'm curious what everyone would, else was doing. They just took photos and then they talked through like how they would like post. Oh, you actually, you act, but you actually just no, like, I, like created the I content fully, and put it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, like I, I fully like got a different email address, like made oh, the wow. account, posted it all, all the captions. I was like, this is what we're doing. It was like. That's it, it really so forward thinking. So, but. <laughs> so but it's also but so was this so obviously around this time was Instagram a, I can't even remember I don't even Instagram, so Instagram was a thing then was a thing. Instagram was a thing then but for this so then when I went on to actually start this role they were like we really want an Instagram account for like L'Oreal like as a, like a corporate brand we want to bring people in but we need to get sign off from like the global team so like my whole like part of my job was like getting them to let us run this Instagram account so my like part of my job was like I was just running this Instagram account for corporate laureate I was like running around I was going to Harrods interviewing the people on the counters at YSL and like different people in the company um it was a really like a very random job it was almost like I was in a startup by myself because no one had done this role before I was literally making it up as it was going along I was but it, like it, it's fascinating how you went first so from from my, from my brain from a creative you went straight to the consumer first and spoke to the consumer's perspective and then brought them in rather than shown sort of the, the product because yeah. we all we all know that the don't don't sell the product sell a message send sell sell the, the the consumer talk to the consumer if the talk, consumers are talking about the brand that's the best thing you want to do so it's great that you were like so forward thinking of that way rather than like 
showing the product and taking pictures of the product and stuff because obviously that's just selling the product it's not really telling giving anything yeah exactly and it was like for for them particularly there was a big challenge around bringing in men into l'oreal as well so it was yeah. like putting, putting different people these very masculine men who worked mm. at l'oreal a lot of people were like had a perception of the type of people that would work at l'oreal and it, it was putting those people at the forefront of it so it was an experience it was like an incredible experience but while I was there I was very much interested in the kind of like luxury side of L'Oreal and mm. um, they obviously they own <coughs> sorry Armani YSL all of those and that was kind of like oh that, that's my dream yeah yeah and so for, so I'm, I'm gonna sort of, sort of skip ahead as well so how did so how did that experience then bring you into sort of Facebook in the current role that you that you have? Because you've, you've had different roles within the Facebook company. And so how has that yeah. brought you to where you are now then? So I probably missed the key part of how I end up in tech. Around oh, yeah, this tell, time, me, tell me. Around this time, I was still at uni. I was waiting to like start L'Oreal. I was at uni. And I honestly had like woken up. It was, I'd been on a night out or something. I'd woken up, I was just on my laptop. I was on LinkedIn, saw the internships for Google go up. And it's literally like, you send off a CV, that's it. So at that point I was like, all right, I'll just apply to this. I will never in a million years hear back from them. So I applied to that. It must've been October, just like didn't hear anything. Then in April, I get a message to say, oh, can you update your CV and like send it to us in a Google doc? did that I was like oh that was probably just like a formality then they're like right well we want to interview you so I ha- I literally did these google interviews in the L'Oreal office luckily my manager was so like nice Chill. that she let me go and do them did these interviews again I was like I will that, that was really nice but I would probably never hear back from this and then I got the role at google so I had to leave L'Oreal early to go and work there because it was a minimum amount of time you had to do the summer internship Mm -hmm. um so then I went to Google while I was at Google Facebook reached out to me they reached out to every intern and said we're having this like graduate fair can you come I was actually I was moving to Hong Kong that day so I could not go unfortunately this was a bit of a crazy year in my life just yeah it sounds crazy very chaotic my life story at this point (laughs) it didn't feel that chaotic at the time there's no, but I, I'm interested to hear. And at that point, when I was leaving Google, they were like, would you want to apply to the graduate scheme? It's in Dublin. I was like, no, I'm moving to Hong Kong now. I'm like set on London, want to be in London. And then Facebook reached out. I took the, inter- I like did the phone interview from Hong Kong on my like Hong Kong number that I cut out about five times because I was in my like on the 13th floor of my like student accommodation in Hong Kong. Um, and they're like, right, we want to fly you to Dublin for an interview. Went there in, in January. On the day, I was still kind of like, no, I, I had like a few interviews lined up with like ASOS, the, the kind of fashion element again, L'Oreal, mm-hmm. we're in talks about going back there. I, I went, I was like, oh, I'm not a uni at the moment. I've got some time off. It's an experience. I'm going to go and interview for Facebook. When I got there, I was like, wow, like these people are amazing. I had like such an amazing day experience interviewing and then I got the offer and I just knew in my gut I would be stupid to turn down a graduate role at Facebook I was like mm. right well I'm off to Dublin bye friends <laughs> I'm off again wow what a story and then and then and then you're 
your role now, so let me just clarify, your role now is client solutions manager entertainment. And it's obviously changed from your original role as account manager. So how has it changed over the over the months, years of where you are now then? Yeah, so partly has changed through a lot of reorgs within Facebook. So I started out, it was called small business group at the time when I joined, and I was very much speaking to very small businesses. And then in the time that I've been there, it has grown so much. So Dublin is more, it's the European hub, but it's more of kind of like, it was the small business over there, but it's kind of grown so much in the past few years. It's more the mid market Mm -hmm. of clients within there. So I started off entertainment and travel. Then I started kind of like weaving in some more fashion clients because that's the route that I wanted to go down. And then Mm -hmm. I started looking after some like actual high street retailers within that. So moved into the fashion space, got a promotion, moved into like the next tier up of like fashion and luxury within Facebook Dublin. But I also was very much, I'd been in Facebook for two and a half years. I'd been living in Dublin. It was a pandemic. I was, I was ready to come back to the UK uh-huh. and it kind of, everything kind of came back full circle. So as you know, my colleague, Vanessa, that I work with, when I joined Facebook, she knew I was working on independent record labels she reached out to me and she was like she kind of took me under her wing then and said like oh if you're in London visiting clients do you want to come and shadow a meeting with me so I went to a meeting Universal Music with her um, who are now my client with her but that was two years ago and this role came up I didn't realize it was to work with Vanessa and then I got on the on a call with Vanessa I hadn't spoken to her for a while with COVID and everything kind of fell into place that I then got this role. So my role now is very similar, but essentially client solution, client solutions manager is clients come to me with a problem mm-hmm. and I will help problem solve it. It will be like a big things that we're working on is, is essentially there's been a huge boom in like merchandise and vinyls coming back, but music clients are very much kind of, have been big brand advertisers. So like for me, I'm thinking of solutions of how they can kind of go into the e-commerce space and for the first time and how they can kind of build that. And so, and, v, and v-commerce as well. Not forgetting v-commerce. V-commerce, love that. <laughs> love that. It's a, so, buzz, yeah. it's a buzzword that I'm talking to a lot of people about v-commerce, like metaverse and how and how you jump into that space. Oh yeah, it's crazy. The way that we're using technology to solve problems, it will be, yeah. um, we want to yeah. hit, older audiences and we want to bring in newer audiences to an artist that has just has a huge back catalogue so we're essentially solving problems Mm. every day I mean it's it's great though that you I I just I just love like journeys I think from from talking to so many people on the show it's amazing because we 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 have so many people who are very successful what they do and it's great to see where they've gone from a to b and you've had such a really fascinating journey to now where you are. And I'm very excited to see where you go in the next three years, um, because where you've been, where, even from when you started at Facebook to the, to the stuff that you're doing now, and also working with Vanessa, who's also been on the show as well with Jane, um, do check it out as well if you're listening. Uh, they're both amazing powerhouse women. Um, so that's a side thing. But yeah. In in, ter- in terms of I'm fascinated by journeys of how brands or how artists or how people get to where they get to never how not why not 
what they're doing now, but how they got there. And I think we forget, I think, I think when you become so involved in the industry in some sort of capacity of the arts, you, 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 um, you take great detail and care in understanding and, and inquiring how something became to be um, from, from the team that's surrounded by that brand or the team that's surrounded by the artist or how an activation happens or even um, how things become to be is in terms of a company. Um, and it's fascinating to hear from your point of view that you are the problem solver of these things that in the mass market, people will be list doing and yeah. listening to these <laughs> things, but we're having this conversation now and, and you're one of the, the cogs in this massive uh, process of problem solving of these brilliant artists that you're working with. Yeah. That was a long spiel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do have to tell you the story of this, of how I got this role though. Yes, my, please. I tell everyone this story. So I, around March, I was like, right, I'm, I have to move back to London. There was a very strict lockdown in Dublin. I was like, I need to go back. So when I was interviewing for a different role within Facebook in London then, and for some reason, I decided it was a good idea to buy a sofa for my place in London. At this point, I was like, I'm going to move back to London at some point. There's long lead times. I'm going to buy a sofa. So I bought this sofa. The sofa came three months later on the first day that I started this new role. And at the time, everyone said I was crazy for buying this sofa. They were like, you don't have a job. What are you doing? Like, you're not moving back to London. And it came on the, on the 1st of July. It's funny how, like, um, people who don't understand manifestation or don't yeah. understand visualization, when you write down your goals or you, like, if, for instance, if you buy a bottle of champagne, if you're waiting news, sometimes that bottle of champagne can be the visualization that it is good. It's already happened in my head. Yeah. It's just going to happen now. So I'm going to buy it waiting for it to happen in reality yeah. I am um, yeah I heard like an amazing thing from a, a coach that came into Facebook and she said about throwing your hat over the wall mm. and that was essentially me saying this is going to happen so I'm just going to go through it and then everything else will fall into place and I, I told Vanessa this as well I have a like a five minute journal every day I wrote in it from January until I get this job saying, I'm going to move to London as a client solutions manager by summer. Every single morning I wrote in the daily affirmation and it happened. It's so amazing how I have, a, I have that as well. I have a six minute journal that my best friend bought for me. And it's so, it's so great to, because I, I also like, we, we can, we can t sort of like go slightly into the kind of mental health issues and stuff, but essentially our brain is always thinking all these different thoughts positive negative and we also have our core thoughts and a lot of people it's sort of like it's sort of jumbled up in term yeah. and then the way that I see it that these thoughts are like trying to stick to a sticky wall and our job is to manage that internally to go like when you have like self-doubt or you have um you have confidence issues it's trying to stick to a wall and so by yeah. actually just writing down what you've factually want to know and to convince yourself and reconfirm is so much it's so much easier for your mind to see it rather than think it because we've got all these other thoughts going on basically yeah and I think they're kind of a lot of people will say oh don't get ahead of yourself or you know you don't want to be disappointed in the end I think from the last year I've really realized like whatever happens I'll be fine 
I'm yeah. better to put it out into the universe, be positive about it. If it doesn't work out, I'll survive. I'll move on. I'll be fine. Exactly. But, and I think yeah. these people, I think these also people, I don't know who you're talking to, but also I think some people don't take enough, enough risks. And yeah. it's, um, it's, I think people always look at going like, don't be disappointed. So don't put your hopes up because you don't want to yeah. land backwards and feel a bit meh. But life is about, taking the risk and sometimes you will fall on your bum but you won't fall you won't fall fall through the floor because you still have a a a surface of protection that you're not gonna when I say fall through the floor I I mean that you're not going to be homeless you're not going to be hospital like there's you're you're you'll still land and there's still got you've still got comfort around you but you're not going to be desolate yeah so yeah. I think throwing your kind of hat over the wall and, and taking those risks are really important because a lot of people don't do that and they don't fall on their bum because they're always just standing, basically. Oh, yeah, 100%. The same, the same coach that came into Facebook said to me, be the ringmaster of your own life. And I say this to my friends when they're, yeah. they're waiting for something to happen. They're like, oh, is this person going to text me back? Or they're not. Am I going to do this? I'm like, no, I'm just like, my approach to a lot of things is just be the ringmaster of your own life. If you get shot, the worst you get is a no, and then you move on and it's fine. Then you know, yeah. instead of waiting around, you're wasting your time. Like, am I going to hear back from this person? Is this going to happen? I'm just like, just nip it in the buds, rip off the bandaid, be the ringmaster, then move on. Well, it's it, again, it's the, the ringmaster is also the same thing, the same quote as um, be the captain of your ship. And it's, it's the same thing. Like, you might not get those texts, but what you have to do is probably strategize going, okay, if I can't get the person or the text from that person, maybe I have to go a different way around it. And I think that's also another another thing that people don't really take in consideration in terms of mindset is that there's not one way. There might be this person here, but there might be like someone else who is in charge or who's part of the company or something that can nav- you can navigate around the situation or you go off in a different direction you go and do your own thing which is what which is what 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 has happened over the course of a year and a half that most people have just gone off and doing their own thing and the started companies or started their own passion or a passion project has turned into something that's professional yeah and quite a few of my friends have had amazing side projects that have came as like a labor of love through COVID, which I think has been the most amazing thing of the last year, seeing what people have came up with. Yeah. And it's, having it's that time to just be creative. To be, to be, to be creative as well. And, and also to, because you obviously, we, we both work in tech and it's fascinating that how um, our small passion projects, whether it is you're doing cooking on a TikTok channel can somehow turn into revenue and do your thing. But it's also as well taking into consideration as well how long we're taking on, uh, or time-wise, uh, tech. And I think I'm, I'm sort of relating this back to be making sure that we are mentally healthy and mentally fit. Because I know that, I mean, I was watching, <laughs> I was watching a TikTok of someone talking about d- doing a TikTok. And he said he spent like 95 minutes doing a tick one tiktok video and i'm like great you're invested but also um balance maybe go for a walk <laughs> afterwards um 95 minutes one tiktok video is 
is great. But I mean, then we, I mean, I think because sometimes we think of content, we think of film projects is different, but they're pretty much the same thing. If you said, oh, I, I spent 95 minutes making or writing a script for my short film, I'd go, oh, brilliant. But I think when we look at like someone taking 95 minutes for a TikTok video, somehow it's not, yeah. yeah? But it's it like equally okay. now TikTok and content is as high quality as making a film for a TV or something. So I just I just making sure that people are taking that balance and going for, making sure they're well nourished in their mind and their body. I am a big believer of balance. I yeah I from the, the get go of work I said unless you let me exercise I will not function I cannot function without exercise that is my one thing that keeps me sane what where do you so as in exercise and then go to the gym would you would you go for a run what do you do I am right now I'm big on the on the one rebel classes a nice 45 minutes in and out I feel strong um it really just gets me in a good headspace a lot of my friends will be like I go I do go a bit of an abnormal amount I would say and my friends would be like, oh, like, have a day off. What are you doing? And I'm like, this isn't about me, like, trying to be, to lose weight or anything. It is literally for my head. I will feel awful if I haven't taken care of myself in that way. Mm. But I'm like, I am a bit addicted to my phone. That is the one time I'm not looking at my phone. In 45 minutes, I'm just looking after myself. And I think it's so important, whatever mm. way, whether it's yoga or it's or just going for a walk or, like, meditation that you everyone kind of finds their thing that makes them feel good but it's also really great that you've found something to help you manage your thoughts because as I said like we are constantly thinking all the time and yeah. negative thoughts positive thoughts are trying to throw themselves at a sticky wall and hopefully they they stick but by utilizing fitness to give you a solid uh, moment to just think of one thing and that one thing is just exercising or focusing on your breath allows you to be a bit more freer when and more, more stronger when you come back to all those thoughts and stuff because it's if it's like your phone if your phone's always on it's really difficult for it to process but sometimes turning your phone off for like an hour helps it just to like chill out for a bit and then start up yeah. again yeah I definitely find if for example there's like a lot of different moving parts at work I'm like oh where do I even begin with all of this that I find I go to the gym or whatever, and then I just come out like with a lot more clarity I even it honestly goes back to when I was doing my A-levels I went to a hot yoga class in the morning my economics A-level oh Bikram yoga yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> everyone. I was crazy. I did not drop a mark in that exam. I did not drop a single mark. Hundred, hundred percent because of that headspace that I had from just like gathering myself, just having time to just like instead of just sat, sitting there in panic, I just had that like forty-five minutes to just breathe, let it all out. Things became a lot clearer for me, and until this day, a lot of a lot of people, and it's it's different for everyone. If they're going through a stressful period, the exercise can be like the first thing to go. Whereas it, for me, it's almost like the one thing that I ramp up to just manage my stress. Like I, you probably see, there's a kind of 
correlation between like the most challenging periods of my life and the amount of time I'm exercising. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because like when we do get stressed or when we do get emotional, we go to food as an emotional source. And then we sometimes work more but then don't go for exercise or, or you smoke. Yeah. When people are stressed, they go for cigarettes. And I don't understand that because cigarettes will make you more stressed and more anxious. So why go to the cigarette if you're already stressed or have, an- have anxiety? So in your, in your brain and in my brain, it totally makes more sense to ramp up the fitness consumption because it will help you rather than hinder you yeah exactly exactly and when I come out of that stressful period I'll feel good at the end of it all exactly exactly and I think also it gives you more clarity and clarity of who you are as a person and it becomes a more a a confidence boost and I think also within this moment in time we're discussing um uh about imposter syndrome as well like a lot of people have come in come into new roles or started their own projects or their own companies and they're going well this was my title back then but now I'm the founder as CEO and so now I have to live up into into this title and so I kind of want to know what your opinion on that as well and how you sort of manage potentially working for these big, big conglomerate companies and people and asserting yourself as this leading figure. Yeah, definitely. Imposter syndrome is something I am very familiar with. Um, pretty much when, when I was interning, the feedback at the end every single time was, you're brilliant at your job. You're just, you don't have confidence in yourself. Every single time, it was like, every time you say something, it is on point, but you won't speak up enough at that time. And I always went, even at Facebook, my first call with a client, I was like shaking. I was so nervous. And every single time, like my manager turned around and said to me, you have sat through six weeks of training on Facebook and Instagram. You live it, breathe it. Nobody knows these platforms, what you're saying to your clients more than you. Like believe in yourself, like you're here for a reason. And it took me so long to kind of feel like I was meant to be there. I was like, I always, I feel like I've always had a bit of a complex of, of having a, an, a Liverpool accent has always kind of been like, oh, will people just like laugh at my accent? I was really like, ter- the biggest challenge that I had was public speaking. I was absolutely terrified. And it was one of those things. And Facebook always says, focus on your strengths, nurture the strengths. And I was like, actually, no, this is a weakness of mine. And I want to turn it into a strength. Mm-hmm. So I worked with like a, a number of amazing female mentors at Facebook. And over a time period of about six months, I started out with like an audience of 50 that went to an audience of 100. And then it ended in a, a client invited me to Turkey to be their keynote speaker for 500 employees. Wow. And at the time, I was 22 at the time. And the CEO yeah, yeah. of the team was like, we're so excited to have Natalie from Facebook. And I was sat at the back thinking, I'm a fraud. I shouldn't be here. What have I got to say that any of these people are going to learn from? A lot. <laughs> well, surprisingly, at the end, the, the CEO of this company hugged me and he said, I never take notes on any travel presentation. I've been in this industry so long. He's like, this is the first time I've got out my notebook in years. 
So I gradually started to believe in myself more and, and going into this role and moving into Vanessa's team, they are the most tenured team of Facebook. Vanessa's been at Facebook 10 years. Yeah. The average time at Facebook is 10 years in my team. Someone's been there longer than Vanessa. And I was, they told me you're the first person to join this team in five years. And I was terrified. I was like, I'm still so young and early in my career. And the way that this team have been like, we've got so much to learn from you, what you've been doing in Dublin, like the way that they have like been so kind, so welcoming. And like, we actually have want to learn from you. You've got a fresh voice. You've got a different perspective mm. has built up my confidence so it's, more. It's interesting. Cause I'm uh, t- talking to a lot of startup people um, who are who do these companies when they're doing new intakes they don't want the really, really experienced people who are like 40. Yes, they might need those people who are at sea level, but the people yeah. in the day-to-day middle and junior, they want young people. They want people who are on the ground, listening to the consumer, listening to the audience and find and being the first on these platforms and knowing what the, the hot trends are. That's what they need. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it is funny because I'm speaking to clients and often I'm the ideal target audience particularly when I was on the fashion side the the clients were like do you like this would you would you buy this would you like if you saw this ad what would you think so actually I've I've slowly come to realize I'm probably the best person you are you are the so um I, I could literally talk about this for like hours and hours and hours but I know we're on a bit of a time uh, bunny um I love that phrase time bunny um so I, what I love asking my guests at the end of these episodes is a give back. So what would you give? I know we've talked about loads of amazing pieces of advice um, and those are different topics, but if there's one thing that resonates with you that you have might have been inspired by someone or something in your space, whether it could be like an art piece or a, a book or something that potentially someone said within your team, what would you give back to the our audience? Yeah. I would say this came from a, a mentor that I had at Facebook. Shout out to Siobhan, if you ever listen to this. Um, a lot of people at Facebook and a lot of industries are very kind of can be self-interested, trying to kind of go alone. And I've always taken the, the be nice to people approach. And she said to me, lift others up with you and you'll go further. So in every situation, I'm always collaborating with people, bringing people up with me. And it has only kind of paid it back to me and in, in people recommending me for my current role, like bringing projects to me. So I, I would say to anyone, be nice to the people around you, bring them up with you because you never know when you'll need them in the future and how they'll help you and give back from you being a good person. So that's my, that is something that's really resonated with me. I haven't heard that in a long time, but I like that sort of thing about lifting people's up. Uh, and uh, there was a quote by someone, I can't remember who it was now, but he said, if you are the lucky ones to reach the top, make sure you send the elevator back down. And it, it, it's the same, yeah. yeah, it's the same sort of thing as well. It's like this industry is very long and this industry is based on relationships, period. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> it's literally based on relationships. It's not based on business, it's based on relationships. So making exactly. sure that we are nice to everyone because it is more difficult to be nasty than it is nice. I think it's actually scientifically proven, it's fact you waste you use more energy to be nasty than it is to be nice it's actually i think it's a fact 
Oh, I definitely. It takes me a lot more energy to be nasty to someone. Than it is, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Um, so I want to say thank you so much for coming on 360 yourself. You have been 360'd. Thank you very much. Thank you. I've loved it. This is 360 Yourself and I'm Jamie Neal. Thank you very much for taking a moment to listen to our wonderful guests. Please subscribe to our podcast to access all our brilliant guest episodes. They are released every Sunday at 12pm. We are available on all listening platforms, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Google Podcasts and Castro. You can also find us on Instagram at 360 underscore yourself, Twitter at yourself360 and our host at Jamie Neal JN. Thank you for listening.